everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Merry Christmas. It's so good to be together again on the other side of Christmas. And I hope your celebration was meaningful, whatever the limitations were this particular year. As we continue exploring the wonder of Christmas, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Our scripture readers today are Dick and Doris Peace, who will be reading from their home, which is where so many of us are worshiping from nowadays. But before we hear God's word, let's go to God and ask him to anoint this time that we would hear from him together. Let's pray. Oh, holy God, we come to you once again to be nourished from your word to learn from you, to listen to you, to allow you to ignite our hearts anew as we hear from you. And we thank you that you desire this even more than we do. And so, Lord God, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us eyes to see, that you would give us hearts that are receptive, and that you would give us minds that are responsive. And we pray this In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. We are Dick and Doris Peace, and we will be reading Luke, second chapter, verses 22 to 40. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said, the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, As you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, the child, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken to and against. 
so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was widowed until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew up and became strong and filled, was filled with the wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Amen. I, I can't tell you how grateful I have been for this Advent series on wonder because it's one that I am greatly in need of. G.K. Chesterton once wrote, the world is not lacking in wonders, but in a sense of wonder. And Chesterton was, was naming our tendency to see things that are incredible and not be moved by them. And so during this season of Advent, we are leaning into a sense of wonder, longing for more frequent responses of, wow. You know, like so many of you, my growing up years at Christmas time, wonder certainly was not lacking. This season captures children naturally in a magical sort of way with everything that goes along with it. But when I reached my 20s and the years that followed, I noticed that that wonder began diminishing. And I allowed myself to become pulled along year after year by the busyness and the familiarity of this season. And for too many years, I found myself finally ready to really celebrate Christmas about the time that it was over. That resulted in a, a longing to experience anew, an awe at the bigness of what God has done for us. And so I'm delighted by this series that has been calling each of us to celebrate Christ's coming with a sense of wonder. My favorite Christmas quotation is by James Boyce, who wrote, Do you want to celebrate Christmas? Then be amazed at it. Allow it to stretch your mind. I hope that you have experienced a sense of wonder in these days leading up to Christmas. But please, know that that window of wonder has not closed. Even as we begin this week, perhaps starting to think about how long the Christmas decorations will be up or if there's any gifts that we need to return or exchange, this is still a time that wonder 
can occur. And so we want to continue leaning forward, looking for moments of amazement at what God is doing in the days ahead. Not so that we will have some warm, fuzzy feeling inside from that experience, but so that it will result in awe and praise and a sense of wanting to worship our God because of the bigness of what we have seen him doing. Today's passage tells us of two individuals who experienced moments of wonder when they encountered Jesus following his birth. And it also offers some wonder-fueling postures that can guide us in these days ahead. Our passage begins with Joseph and Mary's actions following Jesus' birth. Luke tells us, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to Jerusalem to fulfill two requirements from the law that were written in the Old Testament book of Leviticus. The first was a mother's ceremonial cleansing 40 days after the birth of a son. The second was the dedication to God of their firstborn. And Mary and Joseph's faithful obedience gives us a glimpse of why God selected these two to raise his son. But unexpectedly, this family was approached by someone they didn't know. A man called Simeon, described as righteous and devout. He was about to experience a moment of wonder. And I want to make sure we catch three postures that Simeon was in that helped facilitate this moment for him. First, Simeon was waiting. We read in verse 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting For the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. Luke tells us he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Put another way, he was waiting expectantly for the promised Messiah sent by God to save his people. And keep in mind that these promises were made hundreds of years earlier. Yet Simeon was still in a posture of waiting, anticipating that it was going to happen, to be fulfilled. The second characteristic that we see in this godly man is that Simeon was listening. We find beginning with verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. God comes to those who are receptive 
to hearing him. And so the Spirit had told Simeon that he would see the Messiah during his lifetime. Simeon, still listening to the Spirit, was then prompted to go to the temple courts on the very day when Jesus and his parents were there. And the third quality that we see in Simeon is that he was watching. Simeon was watching. We read, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms. Now, please know, Simeon's encounter with Jesus didn't occur in a socially distanced crowd of fewer than 50 people who were at least six feet apart. The temple courts would have been busy. They would have been full as they were on most days with others who were coming to worship or to observe their own purification rites. And so Simeon had to look intently at all who were pushing around him to be able to find the Messiah in the arms of Mary. And because Simeon was watching And because he was led by the Spirit, he was able to identify Jesus and his parents who would not in any way have stood out in that crowd. And because he was watching, Simeon was able to declare to God in the next section of Scripture, my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Let's look at these words of praise that Simeon offered up to God in response to the wonder that he was experiencing. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon declared that he could now depart in peace after finally seeing God's plan of salvation for his people. He observed that in contrast to his private moment there in the temple courts with this couple, there would come a day when God's salvation and saving work would be witnessed by all people. And Simeon rejoiced at the light that Jesus was bringing into a dark world. But this moment between Simeon and Joseph and Mary and Jesus wasn't over. And so Luke continues, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. After praying a blessing upon both children, Simeon, both parents, Simeon directed his words next to Mary. He described the disruption that Jesus' coming would initiate and the pain that this would cause his mother. 
This is among the the first references in the Gospels to the struggle and the suffering that Jesus would experience during his ministry. And we have to imagine this young couple standing there, their heads spinning from all that they have just heard from Simeon when they were approached by another stranger. Luke tells us there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. We're told that Anna was a prophetess who also, like Simeon, was waiting and longing for the promised Messiah's coming. It's thought that Anna was probably over a hundred years old. And during all of those years, we're told that she worshiped God and prayed to him and fasted. Anna experienced her own moment of wonder and she responded by giving thanks and then telling other people. And even though Anna's words aren't recorded like Simeon's are, her response in this situation added confirmation to the extraordinary nature of this child. You've probably noticed by now the beautiful balance in the stories of Christ's birth between the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Each of them provides details not included by the other. And together they provide a more complete picture of this wondrous event that took place. For example, Luke concludes this section by talking about the family's return to Nazareth. He writes in verse 39, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Notice there's no mention here of the family's flight to Egypt. There's no mention here of the visit of the Magi that preceded that flight. And it's thought that those events actually took place between the passage that we have just read today and Luke's eventual relocation he writes about of the family in Galilee. And then Luke, in that last verse, provides one of the few glimpses that we have of Jesus during his growing up years. Do you want to experience more wonder in the days and weeks ahead? This example of two people who experienced it during their encounter with Jesus can help prepare us to do so. And Simeon's encounter with Jesus encourages us to develop a wonder-fueling posture in three ways. First, we wait. We wait. Now, yeah, I know we've been waiting all through the season of Advent. Advent is a season of waiting, waiting for Christ to come to when we get to celebrate that together. 
But friends, our waiting doesn't stop at Christmas. For God's redemptive work in our lives and in our world continues on. And as most of us have learned by now, God's initiative doesn't come on our timing. It comes in his timing. And so we wait. And our waiting to experience God's life-giving activity in, through, and around us actually becomes an act of faith. Would you lean forward in anticipation of what still lies ahead, ready to say, wow, in moments when you encounter your Lord? We wait. The second thing we do that Simeon models for us is we listen. Now, throughout this season, we've been listening to Christmas songs, we've been listening to Christmas greetings, and Yes, we've also been listening to COVID-19 updates. But listening for God's still, small voice requires an even greater attentiveness within. But it's an attentiveness that's worth it. When we experience the wonder of hearing and sensing God speaking to us. For unlike Santa Claus, who puts everything aside for another year, God's speaking doesn't end with Christmas. There will always be something that he longs to reveal to us. New insights that can move us when we hear them. And so would we invite God to surprise us with his words resulting in wonder? And would we carve out time this week to listen intently for those words. And if you are worshiping this morning and don't currently have a personal relationship with Jesus, would you be willing to listen for his wooing words of love that he is constantly speaking? We wait, we listen, and third, we watch. Think about how many people in the temple courts that day missed out on seeing the presence of the Messiah because they weren't watching for it, like Simeon and Anna were. Jesus entered our world not only to save us from our sins, but to bring new life today and every day. And if we want to experience the wonder of an encounter with him, we need to be watching for it like these two individuals. God is always at work. And he longs for us to see what he is doing in ways that prompt awe and reverence and worship. And that also propel us to want to join him there. And so would we look for God's fingerprints, glimpses of his quiet presence or activity that can stir wonder within. And when we experience moments of wonder, let's also follow Anna's example. For Anna responded to her wondrous encounter with Jesus by telling others. And sharing our wonder with others helps fuel their own amazement at what God is up to. 
You know, I have forgotten a lot of my childhood memories by now, but one that is just still seared deeply in my memory was trying to get to sleep on Christmas Eve. And those of you children who are worshiping this morning, you know exactly what I was talking about from just a couple nights ago. I remember years when I would lay in bed knowing I needed to get to sleep to get to Christmas the next day, but I was so excited and so anxious about what awaited me, I, I couldn't. I didn't know the details of what lay ahead on Christmas Day on those days, but I did know it was going to be wonderful. And that made all the difference in my excitement and in my anticipation. Friends, would we have the same posture when it comes to God? We don't know the details of what he'll do, when he'll do it, when we'll hear from him in certain ways, but we do know that we worship and follow a God of wonder, a God who does wondrous things that can move us again and again with a sense of amazement that can drop us to our knees wanting to worship him when we catch those glimpses. And so, friends, would you wait expectantly? Would you listen intently? And would you watch closely in the days ahead, looking for what God will do that can fuel wonder in your life, a response of praise and worship to him? And friends, when those moments occur, would you share them with others? Would you share your wonder in a way that builds it, that helps them understand that God is doing incredible things in this world? I hope you've experienced moments of wonder during this season of Christmas, but I also hope that you will continue to experience wonder in the days ahead. And to help us along that way, let me repeat once again that quote that I began my sermon with. Do you want to celebrate Christmas? Then be amazed by it. Allow it to stretch your mind. May you experience wonder in these days ahead. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, thank you that this is a story that does not end with Christmas. But in fact, we are actually only at the beginning of what you came to do and how you have impacted and are impacting our lives. Lord, please help us to glimpse your wondrous works in ways that prompt us to say, wow, in ways that make us want to share it with others. Thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself to us even in such a way. Lord, help us to experience your wonder. We pray in Jesus' name. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.